You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do. That's make more sales. Make sure you are following us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hornets. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug at Doug Branson NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Visit LockedOnSports.com to check out all of our podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, MLB, and fantasy sports. I want to get into the playoffs before we get into some of the other stuff I have planned today for the Charlotte Hornets. We'll get into the article on Michael Jordan being the worst owner in basketball, some interesting stuff there. And we all know about Michael Jordan's history with the Hornets and just basically his history within the NBA and the front office exec side. So we'll get into that later on. Also, we'll get into what you might think about trading the 11th overall pick that the Hornets have this season. Mitch Kupchak has mentioned that might be a possibility. I would be shocked, but we can get into that later, how maybe that would be an option for them to try to move off some of this money. I don't know, but... I know they're trying to explore every option they possibly can. It would suck, quite frankly, to have that be one of the things you have to sacrifice in order to move off some of this money, but we'll get into it. We'll try to dissect some of the details that would come with moving that 11th overall pick. Let's recap the conference finals, man. I'm so glad Houston tied up that series. I desperately wanted a great series in the Western Conference Finals. And I'm not saying it's been fantastic because Golden State controlled Game 1. Houston controlled Game 2. 127-105, to Houston beating the Golden State Warriors. I'm just glad it's tied 1-1 to because I wanted this series to be a good one. And it, it hasn't been as great just watching it with the back and forth, the teams being close, and I get all that. But I do want seven games out of this one, or at least I want something close. What I did not want, and I would imagine most of the basketball fans out there didn't want this, I would imagine that you didn't want Golden State to just come in and run stuff. Just to go 4-0, and get a sweep, and kick Houston to the curb. Because Houston has been, I think, everyone else's greatest chance to knock off the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant. The closest they've ever gotten before that, of course was you know Cleveland, obviously, beating them in the finals. But Oklahoma City was their biggest threat out West, and that was with Kevin Durant. We haven't seen any team really come close. Any team come even close with Kevin Durant on that Golden State Warriors squad. You got four All-NBA players. Kevin Durant joined a 73-win team, and checkmate. Now, what do you do? So you all thought that you had this figured out at the end of the season. It's going to be Golden State, and it's going to be Cleveland, we quickly realized that maybe back off on that Eastern Conference prediction that possibly Cleveland just might not get there. They swept through Toronto, but now Boston's given them a hell of a fight, having two having a two to nothing lead on them in the series. But now you have Houston and Golden State one to one, where you're not exactly 100% sure that Golden State's going to move along. Yeah, I would put my money on it. Golden State's still probably the best team I've ever seen, but still, you have Houston. That won over 60 games this season. You know, I, I was a believer in Houston. It, it's crazy how that mindset even comes about. That Daryl Morey even thinks it's possible to out-Golden State-Golden State. Everyone's trying to 
contrasted. Everyone's trying to be the antithesis of Golden State. In reality, you know, Houston says, hey, we're going to try to shoot more threes than they do. We're going to try to hit more threes than they do. And we're going to have a good bench just like they do. Trying to get a better bench. It's amazing. And Houston was able to do it, at least in the regular season. Now, the postseason is a different animal. And it's so funny to me watching Golden State during the regular season. I'm not saying they mail it in. You don't get close to 60 wins again because you mail it in. But, man, they don't care near as much. They don't care. And they don't care a whole lot in the regular season. You could tell. You could tell they were almost... They were almost on autopilot. But now they're in the postseason and things have ramped up a bit. And you can tell easily. And Golden State certainly looks like a fantastic team. Steph Curry doesn't look like himself. Stephen A. Smith came on and said he doesn't look like himself. I know that is the talk of the town today. Uh, Steph Curry just going one of eight from beyond the arc. Still getting to the basket. I, I still think one thing that the Rockets do wrong is that Clint Capella still is out there on the perimeter. And Steph Curry was able to attack him in the first half last night. I, I don't like switching Capella out on the perimeter because it leaves him susceptible to getting his ankles broken by Steph Curry. And you saw that. And Curry still finishes at the rim extremely well for his size. And we've seen his you know dipsy-doos, his finger rolls, throwing it up, just a rainbow is dropping right in. I mean, it's always been impressive what Steph has been able to do. He's still hitting those shots. He's just not hitting shots beyond the arc right now. So Clint Capella still... Switching on to Steph Curry and, and screens and just finding himself on a smaller, quicker Steph Curry. And he's just not long enough, even as long as Clint Capella is, he's not long enough to recover after Curry drives by him. That's one thing I don't think Houston does right. But still, nonetheless, they're able to beat the Golden State Warriors last night by 22 points. And I'm just glad that we have a series right now. I'm glad that it's one-to-one. -one. You know, what's funny is Houston, everyone was discussing that they did not need to play isolation ball. And I was with everyone. I mean, ISO ball, we, we could see how many times James Harden dribbled it in game one. He held on to the ball forever. You would dribble it out till the shot clock hit about four, and then James Harden would try to make his move. It was almost like a last-second shot every single time. It just didn't look like very efficient basketball. It certainly didn't look like an efficient offense. And Chris Paul had his fair share of isolation plays as well. Only three assists in game one for Chris Paul. But in game two, Chris Paul, James Harden, and everyone they're just a different animal in game two. Everyone getting involved, they do it through balanced scoring. P.J. Tucker, over 20 points for him after hitting, his, after hitting zero field goals in game one. Eric Gordon didn't do bad in game one, but he steps up a lot. And it's not just because they didn't do iso ball. They actually had more isolation plays in game two, 46 throughout the whole game compared to 45 in game one. But there was a lot more balanced scoring, and it didn't look like it was just mano mano James Harden on whatever defender solo you want to put him up against. There was a lot of ball movement. Man, there's a sequence with the Houston Rockets about the 4.30 mark in the second quarter where that ball moves around the horn. Trevor Ariza fakes it, dribbles baseline, kicks it back out to Eric Gordon close to the top of the key. He nails a three, and you're thinking, that's, that's some of the most beautiful offense we've seen this postseason. It just worked. And Houston defense, no slight to them either last night. And they were amazing last night as well. There was a couple of times where Golden State had careless turnovers. But Houston did such a good job getting back in transition defense, stopping some easy baskets, and just being active. And James Harden active, pickpocketing. He's gotten decently good at that. Probably had a foul called on him last night against Steph Curry that didn't need to be called. But they got decently good at that. Their defense 
has been very good all season long, but last night against Golden State, probably a little undersung as we talk today. So Houston back in this thing. Mike D'Antoni, I thought he was going to be egotistical. I thought he was going to be stubborn and stick with that isolation ball and not move it along. Well, he made some adjustments. Still had the ISO going on, but he made some adjustments. So Houston and Golden State now tied one-to-one. I still have Golden State. Golden State's still the best team I've ever seen. But, man, I'm, I'm just glad we have something good going on with Houston and Golden State now. We have to wait a couple of days before we even get one game in the playoffs. Boston Cavaliers, we all know how much trouble LeBron James is in now. Boston just getting, talk about ballot scoring. Brad Stevens has that team clicking on all cylinders. And Cleveland, you know, they they were ready for that first punch out of the gate. But Boston still able to come out in the second half and show them that they look like the team that finished ahead of Cleveland, which they did. And everyone kind of had Cleveland coming in and winning in five games, sweeping Boston. Maybe if you were a little bit bold, you said Cleveland was going to win in six. But not too many people had Boston winning this whole thing. And sure enough, it looks like they just might be on their way to going to the NBA Finals. If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community for as little as $1 a month. You can help us keep making the Daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. There's a link in the description of this episode, so go down below and you can see exactly where that is. Get double entries into our contests and access to content before anybody else does. Patreon.com slash LOH. Every single dollar goes to making this the best possible sports talk in all of Charlotte. We'll take a quick break. We'll take a timeout when we come back. We'll start to hit on that article that I was discussing earlier. Michael Jordan, the worst owner in all of basketball, the best player, but certainly not the best owner. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with more on Michael Jordan as an owner of the Charlotte Hornets. Thanks for sticking around. I'm Walker Mail. This is the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. And Doug, don't you have an Eldon Campbell like stuffed animal type thing? Yes, I do. I got it at the last regular season home game that they had before they left for New Orleans. I, look, I love me some Eldon Campbell, but is that, is they, that the guy? they were just they were clearing everything out of the house because it was whatever they gave to the fans that night. They didn't have to take with them to New Orleans. Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. Where Doug was an old school hip hop DJ back in the day, man. He's constantly creating beats that I just love on this show. Doug needs to come out with an album. The open white shirt, kind of staring off into the distance. I probably just created a fantastic picture for all you Dougaholics. Welcome back to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail. Don't know Doug Branson once again. He will be joining us on Monday. No show tomorrow either. He's been in Iowa this entire time. So we'll get him back Monday. The two of us will get back together, reconvene, and discuss some more on the Charlotte Hornets. Probably a lot of heavy draft talk as we're just about a month out before the Hornets make that 11th overall pick. And at the helm of that 11th overall pick is Mitch Kupchak, of course, hired by Michael Jordan, the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, and has been pretty much in a major capacity since 2010 when Michael Jordan did have a major stake in it, purchased controlling interest that year in 2010. And there's been an article released by USA Today's Josh Peter, who kind of goes in on Michael Jordan as an owner, which is nothing new. A lot of people have discussed how bad he is at the very top of a franchise. 
But Josh Peter writes an article here recently, just with the recent lottery, of course. And not that Michael Jordan ever really leaves the news, never really leaves the spotlight, but Michael Jordan kind of now in the news as much as really any time post-career. Michael Jordan getting a documentary, The Last Dance, as Netflix and ESPN partner to make the documentary. It's going to be a 10-part documentary focusing on Michael Jordan's NBA career. And you also have LeBron James balling in the playoffs right now, despite the Cleveland Cavaliers maybe not balling as much as what LeBron James is. But the debate is Michael Jordan, the GOAT, is as strong as ever because LeBron James, King James out of Cleveland, Ohio, is trying to make a case for himself as the greatest of all time. So Michael Jordan still, just as any basketball fan can attest to, is always in the thought process any time basketball is really brought up. But maybe now even more so than recent years just because LeBron James is constantly having that debate you're always having that debate about LeBron or Michael and now this new documentary is going to be released where ESPN and Netflix they team up for a 10-part documentary so it's going to be a long one and it should be pretty cool but now again Josh Peter writes this article about Michael Jordan not being the greatest owner in the world in fact the worst owner in all of basketball And he says, LeBron James and Michael Jordan, that might be the debate of the greatest basketball player of all time. But that's just as interesting a debate as maybe who is the worst owner of all time between Michael Jordan and James Dolan. Ouch. Sick burn. James Dolan, the owner for the New York Knicks, has constantly been chastised as one of the worst owner in not just basketball, but all of sports because New York being such a fantastic franchise in the past, playing in the Mecca, playing at Madison Square Garden, being in one of the biggest markets in all of the United States. James Dolan, we've seen, we've put him under the microscope, just put that team and run them into the ground. And he mentions a couple of things, of course, that Michael Jordan has done with the Charlotte Hornets that we already know, we're all too familiar about. Michael hasn't had the greatest luck drafting. And you can go back to his Washington Wizards days where he was president of basketball operations And he is most remembered for drafting Kwame Brown in the 2001 NBA draft. They draft him right out of high school. And you look at that draft, Tyson Chandler, also another guy that was drafted right out of high school. And Kwame Brown would go on to average just over six points in his career and not have that all of an illustrious NBA career. Was able to actually stick around, uh, even able to stick around a little bit. But still, Kwame Brown... Most notably, the biggest bust and and the biggest move that Michael Jordan ever had with the Washington Wizards. So you can go back to those days, just constantly getting clowned for his timing close to the top there. So then in 2010, he purchases controlling interest for the Charlotte Bobcats then. And he did have a minority share in the team in 2006. And since that time, since the 2010 year to now, the Hornets have had 11 lottery picks and landed just one all-star. And we all know Kimba Walker, the only guy that has seen an all-star team within those 11 lottery picks. Josh Peter does mention that the blunder started when Charlotte used that third pick of the 2006 draft on Adam Morrison, who, again, five years later, he says, quote, was playing for a team called the Red Star Belgrade. So kind of funny to see what Adam Morrison was doing not long after he was drafted by the Charlotte then Bobcats. And the Hornets, again, they they got that all-star in 2011 with Kemba Walker, but we play the bump for you. You hear it all the time. Bismack Biombo was the pick beforehand at seventh overall. And Bismack Biombo just averaging over two points per game. And again, Doug swears that he saw him hit the Euro step one time. And it's so crazy. Like, it's so important. 
it's so monumental to see Bismack Biombo do anything somewhat competent offensively that Doug has to go and put it in his Twitter bio. I mean, that's how important it was to see Bismack Biombo do any kind of offensive move. And that was a guy that was drafted two picks ahead of the only all-star in the last 11 lottery picks. To this article also, you know, we, we all know it. He goes on to mention how he's drafted Frank Kaminsky, drafted MKG, Cody Zeller. And he also says that they would eventually pass on all-stars such as Brandon Roy, Damian Lillard, and Giannis Atenacumpo. And then he also mentions that Michael Jordan and company missed out on all-stars such as Clay Thompson, the 11th overall pick in his day, Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler. So he mentions a lot of these guys that blew up. And now look, there's a couple of these guys that Josh mentions that a lot of teams passed up on, right? This is not a Bradley Beal situation where the Hornets go for MKG rather than get Bradley Beal. Damian Lillard, probably pretty appropriate because Lillard was drafted six overall in that draft. And they do pass up on him to get MKG second overall. But you look at a lot of these other teams that have missed out on him too. And, and I, I get that maybe they're picking on Michael Jordan just a little bit because there's a lot of other guys that have missed out on these all-stars. But when you keep adding it up like this, I get it that Michael certainly has not had the greatest track record with any of the franchises, including Washington and Charlotte, when you look at what he's done, when you look at that resume. And so I, I, I've always wondered if it's been overplayed, Michael Jordan's involvement and what he's wanted to do as far as drafting, as far as signing free agents. Now, Rick Bennell, again, we I talk with him, and he always mentions that it's probably a little overstated. And I think you saw Michael Jordan's relationship with Steve Clifford as a good one, as a positive one. Doug and I have talked about this, that he made sure he let Doug do whatever he wanted to, that it was Steve Clifford's team, and Michael didn't really butt in a whole lot. I wonder how true that was with Rich Cho. Rich Cho is a guy that is gone now, and after you have that kind of draft history, I you know it's it's tough to save your job, but also you wonder how much of a hand did Michael Jordan have in some of those draft picks. And you can go to the Mitch Kupchak introductory press conference, and Mitch Kupchak even mentions that he's going to have the call, but he'll always check with Michael Jordan because of his basketball prowess. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people loved hearing that. A lot of Charlotte Hornets fans loved hearing that. And I get it. The, the guy is shelling out a ton of money to run this franchise. It, it's it's the boss. I get all that. But also, you know, Mitch Kupchak did mention that he was going to run some things by Michael. So now here you have the new GM. Here you have a cleaned house at Spectrum Center, a new head coach who a lot of people thought did win that press conference. And it's important to do so. And we'll see if this new regime is able to get the Charlotte Hornets on an upswing that they just haven't really seen since the early 2000s where they were able to win a playoff series or two. And that's the that's the last time you've seen real success. And that was a different franchise. It's it's not even this one. You know, I, the, the most success you've seen from this franchise is a seven-game series against the Miami Heat. That's the most success they've ever had was just a couple of years ago. And you want to see something different. And it starts with the draft selections. And that's exactly what Josh Peter references in his last part of his article that James Brago and Mitch Kupchak they're here, but they might not be here long if they continue to miss on these draft prospects, and that's it. Then you're done. Because if you don't hit on these, then you're right back where you started. Because that's that's how it all starts. That's how the mid-market teams get big. You know, he mentions a couple of these guys, right? He mentions Damian Lillard. Portland hits on Damian. They hit on C.J. McCollum. Portland finishes with the third seed in this year's postseason. You know, Milwaukee, they hit on Giannis Antetokounmpo. They hit on Malcolm Brogdon in the second round. They hit on Chris Middleton. And Milwaukee is a team that should be doing a lot better than what they are. I think everyone can agree with that. 
They're now looking for a new head coach, and they actually hired one. Mike Budenholzer gets that job, as it was announced by Woj within the last 24 hours. But now the Milwaukee Bucks look like they're set up extremely well for the future. That's what it takes from a mid-market team. You can go to those Indiana Pacers teams that was given LeBron James fits in those Eastern Conference Finals, 2013-2014. The Indiana Pacers, they drafted Paul George 10th, or later on, I believe. They drafted Roy Hibbert late in the first round, and Roy Hibbert, yes, believe it or not, was good once upon a time, at least with Indiana. And we drafted Danny Granger before that at 17th, and Danny Granger was a guy that kind of set the mold with the Indiana Pacers. I mean, just you, that's how you do it as a mid-market team. And the Hornets haven't done it. They've tried to make some trades, and they've been decent here and there. Courtney Lee trade was fantastic for them and that playoff run that they had, but they just haven't been there. So I get all of the angst that Michael Jordan gets from all of the fans, and I get these articles that are written by guys like Josh Peter for USA Today and all their articles that are mentioning that Michael Jordan just simply has not done a good job post his playing career in basketball. So we'll take one more break. We'll get to those Mitch Kupchak comments about possibly using that 11th overall pick for something other than selecting an actual player, exploring those options to see if there is a trade valuable enough out there to maybe send that 11th overall pick elsewhere in the NBA. Stick around. You're listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're going to talk about Jim or Jay Laranega. And James Borrego. Should get the first name right. (laughs) Well, maybe that one I should get. Actually, his real name is James, but they call him Jay. We'll call him Jay, too. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked on Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail. Just got through Michael Jordan in his tenure as the Charlotte Hornets owner, going back to his Washington Wizards day as well as being a president within that organization. Not exactly the greatest resume to show off if you're Michael Jordan post your basketball playing career. So we discussed that a little bit, discussed a little bit of the NBA playoffs. Now we'll move on to some Mitch Kupchak comments. We talked about Kupchak yesterday about a possibility of a rebuild and how it looks like they are going to go with this roster, at least as his comments go. I I think something could change from that, obviously. But at least that's where his comments are leading us, that he does not want to be a part of a rebuild and that he doesn't exactly want to be a part of the lottery again. I guess we don't want to be a part of the lottery again after a while, but it would be nice to stockpile a couple of those picks and possibly get some of these high-end players. So Kupchak mentions in April that he could be open to trading that pick, and he also reinforced that as an option during his comments Following the lottery, and Rick Bennell mentioned it in one of his articles about the lottery, he says, quote, we'll obviously pursue all the options on how to use this pick, but right now we're going to concentrate on using the pick to pick a player, end quote. And that's what Rick Bennell mentions that Mitch Kupchak said after the lottery. So you wonder, is trading back a good option for the Charlotte Hornets? Do you risk trading that 11th overall pick? Maybe not back, maybe just period, maybe just for another player. And I I can't imagine that a lot of the Charlotte Hornets fans would like that just because we've been down this road before. I think it's important to get younger because this Charlotte Hornets team is really tied up in a lot of money. It's tied up 
with a lot of old money. These guys are older. These guys are veterans in the league for a lot of these guys. And and MKG, Frank Kaminsky, yes, those guys are younger. But I, I think you want somebody more talented. And you want to take a chance on somebody more talented with that 11th overall pick. And we've mentioned a lot of the guys. I think there is a talented pool there that could possibly be at 11. I like Mikhail Bridges. I like Miles Bridges. I like Shea Gilgis-Alexander. There's not a ton where I think I wouldn't take a chance on. Sure, everyone's going to have their favorite. Everyone's going to have a guy that they like a little bit more than the other. But I think there is enough of a pool there that I'm willing to take a chance at number 11 rather than trading that for somebody that is established. One thing they could do is take a chance on a younger player who hasn't blossomed as of yet that they think still has the potential to do so. But even then, I'm, I'm ready to go after it with this 11th overall pick. I, I could get moving off some salary. For instance, if you have the 11th overall pick packaged with a Dwight Howard or packaged with a Nick Batum, because Dwight Howard, I, I understand, gave you some traditional stats that looked pretty good last season and, and probably had as good a Dwight gear statistically as you could have hoped for. So let, let's go Nick Batum because it's the worst contract on the team. Let's say if you have that, is that something you're doing? Are you trading that 11th overall pick and Nick Batum for a guy that's, I don't know, let's say making $9 million, $10 million, maybe less than that. Maybe you go a little less than that, a little younger, but has some promise, but again, kind of established. Like, What, what kind of deal are you making? What does it have to be in order for you to include that 11th overall pick? Does it have to be a Kawhi Leonard? Does it have to be a... Kimba, the 11th overall pick, and maybe you sh try to shed a bad contract in order to get Kawhi from the San Antonio Spurs. Would it take that kind of guy? So I think what you would rather do is hold on to that 11th overall pick and try to take a stab at some of these younger guys coming into the league because the Charlotte Hornets, they need to get more talented for sure with just younger bodies that can come in and help. And you hope that Malik Monk's development, it increases. Same thing with Dwayne Bacon, and you're hoping to pair those two guys alongside whatever player they decide to draft in this year's selection. So we'll see what Mitch Kupchak decides to do, but very interesting to try to put those pieces of the puzzle together. Now, Kupchak not exactly letting us in on a whole lot of what his thought process is. Kind of keeping us at bay, but the one thing that we do at least kind of have a tread on, kind of have a little bit of a trail following those footprints... It does seem that Mitch Kupchak is not exactly thrilled about being in the lottery and not exactly thrilled about wanting to go through a rebuild. Could be lying, could be misleading us, but it's not exactly that he's thrilled about it. All right, that'll do it for us today. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. Thanks for joining me again once today. I'm Walker Mail. I'm going solo now. We will not have a show tomorrow. Doug Branson will be back on the pod on Monday where we can probably resume a regular schedule. Thanks for sticking it out with me this week. Again, I'm Walker Mail. We'll talk to you again on Monday.